here's my outline for this episode. Okay. Birth, 42, focus, shadow, phenomenon, clarity, aerial yoga, debilitating, third eye, inflammation, and whole. Oh my God. <laughs> well, that doesn't keep, that doesn't. Buckle up, folks. <laughs> that doesn't make you want to tune in. I don't know. <laughs> That's like one of those games where you get like, all the words and you have to like figure out the category yeah 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 (laughs) (laughs) wait can you read them again I want to figure out the category birth 42 focus shadow phenomenon clarity aerial yoga debilitating third eye inflammation and whole woman in her midlife crisis goes on a spiritual retreat (laughs) and finds healing after her divorce. (laughs) Welcome to The Fifth Element, a podcast for people seeking intimate connection with their innermost self through holistic healing, cosmic consciousness, and radical rebirth. We hope each episode is an opportunity for listeners to join the collective journey towards intuition and integration. Category is health histories. (laughs) We've like alluded to the the turmoil of our health journeys a few times, but I don't know that we've ever gone in depth. Yours is more turmoil, tumultuous than mine. Hence the outline needed. <laughs> Capricorn man. It was just necessary. Um, but I wish, I wish I drank because we could do like a drunk history of this, which would be a lot of fun. I did have coffee today though. And I don't, really drink caffeine that much so maybe I'm a little hopped up it's like because of the inflammation and the health history is why we can't do a drunk history no truly (laughs) truly wow well yeah we you know we have some apparently hot takes in 2019, they wouldn't have been considered hot takes, but now that we are where we are, yeah, we have some hot takes on health and it's funny because people, I, at least how I've been kind of perceiving everything, people kind of assume that you just wake up one day and you choose to have a view that's different than everybody else in the world. And in reality, you know, it's a combination of your life experiences and your reality and your individualized history. And so it's helpful. And this is like what we're going to do this season to give context to how people got to where they are, especially people who are thinking differently than others, people who are living alternative, quote, alternative lifestyles, like how did they get to that point. And I think what better place to start than with our, yeah, health histories and journeys. Yeah. I mean, I know like healing has been a huge focus of both of our lives over the last couple of years. Um, and it's something we've really connected on and kind of what brought us to this podcast in addition to seeing frozen too. Um, but I mean, to know me in any capacity is to know my like connection to like health and like my personal like journey with health because I mean truly that was like the hallmark of my identity for so long and like now I don't necessarily it's more like the work I do with health or like talking to people about 
you know, optimization and things like that, um, that I think people associate with me. But I mean, like I personally identified as like being the sick kid Mm. for so long and I've had to do a lot of internal work over the last couple of years of like, I don't, that doesn't have to be my whole identity or like how I walk through the world. But, um, yeah, so it is like a really important part of just me. (laughs) Wow. Yeah. So what did being the sick kid look like for you? Like, I mean, I'm going to pretend like I don't really know you, but what, what comes to mind with sick kids is like, you know, those kids that are just have the perpetually runny nose and they always have the cough no matter what, like time of year. And they're just like sickly and look unhealthy. Like everyone can think of that kid in their elementary school. That was just like the sick kid. Yeah. I wasn't really like sick. I wasn't like sniffly, you know, redeemable. (laughs) Um, yeah. 42 in my outline is I missed 42 days of preschool because I was sick. Um, and, uh, yeah, I just remember like my mom would be on the phone with my aunt, like we were growing up and like, she would talk about how like my cousins were never sick. Like they never got sick. And like my siblings and I were just like always sick. Like pneumonia was normal or like strep was normal. As the years went on, like I was just like always getting headaches had a lot, a lot of headaches, um, like migraines even as a kid. And I just like needed a lot of sleep. Um, and I mean, to this day, like my family will talk about how, like, I never made it through a game of Monopoly because I would just, I would start playing a board game and then like halfway through, I'd like go get a blanket and a pillow and like put them on the chairs at our kitchen table and then just like fall asleep there. (laughs) And, um, that's like just always kind of how I've been. Like, I just need a lot of a lot of sleep, a lot of um, rest to like recuperate. I need a lot of um, external factors to be at play to just like kind of operate in an equilibrium, Mm -hmm. Um, whether that be food or um, air quality these days or things like that. Um, So yeah, I mean, it was just like a lot, it was just like a part of my life, but I didn't really think it was very unique. Yeah. I like started wearing glasses at a really young age. My eyes had like a focusing problem allegedly. Um, and then, you know, a whole series of things we could talk about the eyes altogether. But, um, yeah, that was just like kind of my life, like one Lent, you know, like you give up something for Lent. When I was in the fifth grade, I gave up coffee. <laughs> I started drinking coffee. drinking coffee. Well, I started drinking coffee when I was in like first grade. What? I just like love the taste of it. Was it decaf? Like, no. Oh my God. <laughs> so that definitely messed with some things, but everyone was like, it's going to stunt your growth. And I was like, literally always like normal height. So I was like, clearly there are no side effects to this. Um, and then when I, I gave up coffee for Lent one year, cause it was like a serious part of my life. I was a Starbucks worker for Halloween that year as well. And oh um, yeah, I was in, oh, I also wrote a persuasive essay about why we should have coffee bar in the cafeteria of my elementary school. Um, so yeah. Anyways, big coffee fan back in the day still, but, um, and I had to, it was like, I was like a weekend to Lent and I was getting like insane migraines. And my mom was like, I think Jesus wants you to like start drinking coffee again. Cause I was going through like caffeine withdrawal. Wow. Um, so yeah, I just like have always, my body has like been like hypersensitive to kind of mm-hmm. like changes like that. Um, so were you aware when you were a kid, like that you felt sick all the time or were you? Like, was that an awareness of like, oh, other people don't feel like I feel all the time or like, um, was it with your sip, like 
you said your siblings were kind of sick too, or was it like an individual experience? Yeah. I mean, I won't like share too much about their health or health journeys or whatever, but, um, yeah, I mean, it was definitely like a me thing. It was like the headaches were like a really, it was like, it was like part of my identity is that I always got headaches Mm -hmm. or we would go to a concert and then I would get a migraine from the lights or the sound being loud or things. And, you know, we had to like leave in the middle of a bunch of concerts because I just like couldn't function. Um, and yeah, I mean, I mean, so that was definitely an indicator to me of like, oh, I'm different than other people, but I was like, I can't help it. Right. Sorry. Um, but things really came to a head when I was, um, in the eighth grade, I was, I was no seventh grade. I all of a sudden was like, I had had like, again, I started wearing glasses when I was in kindergarten. I had like a focusing problem. There were all these problems with, you know, for an entire year, they had put my lenses in the wrong eyes for my glasses. Yeah. Yeah. Everyone fought over whose fault that was, but yeah, an entire year I was like seeing with a prescription of like the opposite eye. Oh my gosh. Um, and then it got to a point where my prescription was changing like every couple of weeks, like it was really bad. And then I had to go to vision therapy. So I went to vision therapy for one of my eyes to help it focus. And then it overcorrected. And then I had to go back for the other eye. I mean, like this, these were the, my extracurricular activities was like going to vision therapy. Oh my God. <laughs> when I should have been in regular therapy. <laughs> so I mean yeah that was that was happening and um then when I was in like when I was like 12 um I was like there is something wrong with my eye my right eye there's like it's almost like a shadow or something like I just feel something like in my eye like something's not right and so I went to the eye doctor and he was like um it's like oh well you know I don't see anything but um if you know it comes back like just let me know or if it gets worse and um hit me up right right um (laughs) shoot me a text and I'm like yeah there's something wrong like I was thinking about this earlier and thinking about like intuition I'm like I think this moment was like my peak like or like one of the clear examples of like intuition for me wow and just being like okay but I was like all right I guess I have to trust this guy right and um then like a year later it was like still there and it was like getting so bad and it was so distracting. It was like and a shadow? Almost like that or like just like like light pressure on like my eye. But I was just like, I cannot, like I'm getting so distracted. Like this is seriously like a problem. So I went back to the eye doctor and I was there for like hours. And um, and he's just like a standard like um, optometrist, not like a retina specialist or anything. So with all, he was literally bringing like every tool, every lens, every light that he had to like, try to see what was going on. And I just remember like him being like very vague and like calling my mom in and just being like, yeah, there, I think there's something in your eye. And honestly, I don't really, the whole thing's kind of a blur, but my mom is said, she was like Googling things on her phone and was like, this is not good. Whatever he said. Mm -hmm. And he was like, yeah, but I like you need to see a retina specialist like I can't confirm anything like I can't really mm-hmm. get a good look at anything and my mom's like freaking out of course um and so yeah then I saw like I saw a retina specialist and they diagnosed me with um macular edema which is like swelling or fluid macular degeneration um and eye tumor and uh turned out like the type of eye tumor that I had was unheard of in children I was like the only child in the world at the time that had 
the eye tumor that I did. She's a celebrity, folks. Oh, you can find me in some studies. (laughs) Um, I have a friend, a mutual friend of ours who like was working in like ocular oncology um, in Baltimore. And he like sent me a, like a research study. And he was like, wait, is this you? (laughs) Because it's like from, it's like by the doctors that like I saw. And it was like, it's like 84 year old female, 75 year old man. 13 year old female and I'm like oh yep, that's my gosh me. yeah crazy so um that's like when I would go get my retinas lasered because mm-hmm. clearly this is a <laughs> this is a retinal support podcast but when I would go get my retinas lasered every year it would be all people over 80 and me in the waiting room like like everyone is like in wheelchairs and I'm just like right hello well I don't, I don't really have like guilty pleasures. Cause I like take, like, I'm, I don't apologize for the things that I like, but one of my guilty, I mean, my guilty pleasure is like my favorite media genre is, um, teenage cancer romances. <laughs> like something about the prospect of like dying children falling in love is just like, Oh, gets me. <laughs> and there's a lot to unpack there, but An I was unfulfilled like, fantasy perhaps. <laughs> Well, but then I would go to all these appointments, right? And I'd be in the waiting room and I'd be like, okay, well, where's like the one like shy, cute boy who like, also has like an eye tumor, <laughs> but it wasn't. And now he never came. He you, never came. You can't lock eyes from across the room because you both can't see. <laughs> right. I was like, both like eyes dilated, like <laughs> lights flashing. <laughs> Hate. I'd gaze into your eyes if I could focus on them. Right. But alas, it was all people in their 80s. Always. Yeah. So anyways, um, so yeah, I found out on the eye tumor um, and um, crazy times. Um, and I ended up um, at a certain um, well-known research hospital, hospital in Baltimore. Uh, and it was all good and well. Um, and then they decided to refer me again because it's such a complex and unique case um imagine that um basically I was going back and forth to like the top doctors like literally in in the country and in the Mm -hmm. world in Baltimore and Philly and um seeing like in their ocular oncology departments and at this point like nobody knew if it was cancerous um and the only way to determine that is to like biopsy the tumor and you have to remove the eye to do that um and yeah (laughs) yeah so that was always on the table. Um, oh but the, the tumor had to like get to a certain size to do that. And like my very first appointment, I remember him being like, eye tumors are the slowest growing tumors in the body. Like we've got time. Don't worry about it. Like come back in a month, like blah, 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 blah. <laughs> Turns out my little tumor was a little attention, a little attention hog and like wanted to be seen. And um, yeah, he was growing pretty fast. Um, and uh, <laughs> it's a he. Yeah, I've tried several times to, like, name the tumor, but nothing's really, like, inspired me. Yeah. Just just a general archetype of a man. Just sort of, just sort of nagging for attention. Just sort of there. Won't go away. (laughs) Just, like, growing despite all odds. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But anyways, yeah, so I was, like, seeing all these doctors and going back and forth, and they were kind of, like, working together, and then it was decided that I was going to have this surgery um, that was basically, uh, like, an injection of this medication that was to like dry up the the fluid the swelling because it was 
um, increasing at rapid rates. They didn't even care about the tumor at this point. They were like, we need to get this fluid underway because it's moving towards the macula. And if it goes there, you're going to go blind and the macula is already degenerating. So, you know. I got told I would go blind too. Oh yeah. Several times. So many times. Just, I mean, eyesight on the table. No big deal. Right. Well, so I had that surgery three times and they put me under anesthesia every single time. And I had all three of these, like within a year, which I now know, um, like anesthesia is a chemically induced concussion. Mm -hmm. So imagine the inflammation of my brain Mm. having that three times in a year. And I had I went under anesthesia too, like when I got my tonsils out. So, you know, I had like doctors year later, years later being like, that is absolutely like insane. Like nobody should have ever allowed that to happen. Like wow. that's criminal to like put your brain through, through that much. Um, and you know, I had no tools at the time to like combat inflammation, let alone mm-hmm. the emotional inflammation that was happening anyways. So, um, I, yeah, I had that surgery three times, the first two totally unsuccessful. Um, and they were like, okay, well, we're going to do a third one. What was it trying to do? Shrink the tumor? No, this wasn't even worried about the tumor. There was like fluid, fluid. fluid, um, like surrounding the tumor. And, um, then, so we go up, go in for the follow-up after the third surgery. And every single time I had been to any of these doctors or specialists followed the same protocol of like, you know, getting the eyes dilated, getting an ultrasound on the eye, like getting pictures taken, getting all these other pictures taken so they can like see if things have grown all the stuff. And this time we don't get any pictures taken. We just go straight back to the doctor's office. And this man looks at me. I had been seeing him for like months at this point. He looks at me and says, well, surgery went great. Everything is, everything looks awesome. We'll see you in a year. And my mom and I are like, wait, what? And he was like, yep, uh, tumor shrunk, fluid's gone. Um, You're good to go. What? Right. And so I'm like, okay, good news. <laughs> and mm-hmm. my mom's like, okay, um, yeah, a year seems like a long wait to come back. And he's like, yeah, you should probably come. He's like, if, you, if you're more comfortable, like come back like six months or whatever. And we're just like, okay. And then we leave. We walk out and the mother's intuition, <laughs> because none of this made sense, right? She's like, wait here. And she, she like left me in the hallway. Oh my gosh. And I, I still this day, I don't know what happened, but she told him off because like they didn't take any pictures nothing and then guess what I went to my other doctors in Philly a couple of weeks later and the tumor was so big and the fluid was so vast that they were like we need to do radiation like as soon as possible what so yeah. this guy just straight up lied yeah but like he I don't even know if it was lying because he had no, he didn't even know what the truth was hmm. they never ran any tests or anything it's so bizarre I know crazy and so then I'm like at this doctor and the one doctor, she's like, like one of the most world renowned ocular oncologists. Um, and, but she's like notorious for just being like the worst person, like zero bedside manner. Okay. Like all of her little like minion interns, like quake that like come into the room. And when she's like walking down the hall, it's like, <laughs> it's like double wears Prada. Yeah. Like, eye doctors and wow. they'll come in and they'll be like take off your glasses take off she's coming she's coming take off your glasses oh like it was it was awful like I hated seeing her um and she just comes in and she was like all right radiation uh probably gonna guarantee you're gonna go blind so uh just brace yourself for that what right I'm 13 oh, maybe 14 at this point my god yeah and I'm just like this is my first year of high school <laughs> like started in eighth grade <laughs> 
I like, you know, I'm already like not adapting well <laughs> to, <laughs> to high school because I spent 10 years at the same school and I didn't know how to make new friends. <laughs> like, oh my gosh. And yeah, it was, it was pretty rough. Um, and uh, so, so yeah. And my mom's just like, what? <laughs> like, and I'm like, excuse me? Like, she's like, yep. Uh, but that's all, that's the only thing we have to, that's the only thing to do. And this other doctor like intervenes, thank God. And he's like, he's like, well, you know, she's really young. Like, why don't we try this new like experimental surgery first? And like, just like try Words that. you love to hear. Right. And she's, she's really- like, it's not gonna, she's like, it's not gonna work. It's a waste of time. And he's like, well, look, she's really young. Like, let's just, let's just try it. And she was like, fine, go ahead. And so I was like scheduled to come in had that surgery basically they like injected this dye into my bloodstream and they had this like photoreactive laser shot into my eye I had to be awake for this it was like so stressful because I was like if I move a little bit I'm gonna fry my eye because they're like shooting this laser into my eye I like reacted off the dye to like and this one like was to like laser the tumor but I mean this dye was like like radioactive oh my god so ladies and gentlemen let me tell you 2020 wasn't my first quarantine no, Emily, I could not, because it was photoreactive, like, not radioactive. I could not, like, be in light. I had to, like, stay in, like, a dark room. I had to, like, wear, I could only wear, like, long sleeves. I had to wear, like, sunglasses. Like, when I was finally able to go back to school, like, and I went to a private school that had a very strict uniform policy, but I, like, needed to wear long sleeves, so I wore, like, a sweatshirt, and like had to like tell all my teachers like they'd like turn the lights off in my classes like because it would burn my skin because the dye um, was like still moving through my system for like a couple weeks how long did it get did it take to get out um like a couple weeks oh my god <laughs> yeah it was crazy but yeah I literally had to like be under like darkness quarantine like alone in my room that is so bit. depressing yeah yeah it was wild um but vitamin D levels. Right. Yeah. Um, but then, yeah, so that surgery, quote, worked. And oh. uh, a couple months later, they declared me stable. Okay. Is the, is the verbiage. We um, love that diagnosis. <laughs> right. Right. And, you know, that was like, uh, this spring will be 11 years, quote, stable. Wow. <laughs> and so I was going back, right. Quote, stable quote stable the tumor has been stable so it's still there I still have it um and uh yeah the tumor's just chilling. but it just like hasn't grown it hasn't grown so I was going back like every six months to get the tests done to make sure it was still quote stable um and then I went to like every year um and then last year I I went for my appointment and I was sitting in the waiting room and I was like yeah, I'm never coming back here again wow like I'm, I'm never, like, I hate coming here. Right. Like truly I get so anxious. Like I hate coming here and not even like anxious about like, oh, the tumor's growing or something, but just like being in that environment. Mm-hmm. I just hate it. Um, and so, yeah, I like haven't gone back since then. Um, and also I'm like, <laughs> I've been quote stable for 10 years. Like, I think we're good. Mm-hmm. Um, but I did recently like have to go to the eye doctor to like get a prescription update because you know I wouldn't otherwise go to a doctor. And of course I had to like tell him these things, his <laughs> history of the eyes. And they I just get so they get so creepily fascinated. They're like, oh, can I see it? 
what? And I'm like, yeah, if I look this direction and you pull out this lens and have this light, like I'm directing them to come to the show. Ew. I know it's awful. And he was like, well, you need to see a retina specialist. And I'm like, no, I'm good. And he's like, no, really, I can write you a referral. And I was like, please don't. I'm not going to, I was like, I was literally like, I feel confident in my ability to seek intervention if I think that that needs to happen. And he was like, I wouldn't be so confident. Oh God. And then he like wrote out a little thing on, on a piece of paper saying that I was, that he offered to write me a referral to a retina specialist and I denied it. And then I had to sign it. <gasps> he was like, there's just like a large chance that like your retinas will detach. Mm. He talked about my retinas detaching so many times. And I was like, I think I would know. And he's like, I wouldn't be so sure. I had an engineer in here and he, you know, he's really focused on the details. And even he didn't realize he was going blind and his retina was detaching. Wait, and I was like, what? Yeah, he literally told me this. Um, and I said, NK. <laughs> that is like, bizarre. are you going to order me contacts or what? Right. Do your job. <laughs> do what I asked you to do. Nothing less, nothing more. Please. So anyways, um, yeah, that was that. And like, honestly, that whole period of my life um, was like very... I mean, I was just like in it and it was like happening so fast that like I couldn't really even like process what was mm -hmm. going on. Um, and there was like just like a lot of like stuff going on in my personal life also at that point that was just like not being processed and like addressed because this was my entire identity. Yeah. Um, and uh, yeah, so that was all happening. And then it was like after that fourth surgery, like I was, I just had all these unexplainable, like, medical phenomena. After the radioactivity? <laughs> yeah. Oh, my God. No, but truly, like, I would just get pains all over my body, unexplainable. I would, like, convulse for, like, hours, like, my stomach or, like, what? my limbs. Like, I would, like, have bouts of blindness, like, all sorts of things, just, like, can't even begin to describe like muscles would just stop working I'd be, like, sitting down and like couldn't stand up like um yeah just like absolutely crazy things and I was just like so low functioning and just like yeah and like looking like well okay so then like my senior year I was in and out of the hospital so many times just like with unexplainable things and I was putting myself on all these different like food plans and like trying to like do anything to figure out what was wrong like I was gluten-free I was dairy-free I was like paleo I was all these things to try to like find any sense of like help because I was seeing every specialist you know neurologists rheumatologists like infectious disease doctors like all these people because the, all the doctors were like well you have all the symptoms of an, of an autoimmune disorder but like we don't know which one and like, I was just like, are you kidding me? Like, this is, this is my life. Like, I'm going to be the sick kid that gets tumors and that gets migraines and that is co like constantly in pain. Um, and I mean, it was so bad. Like, I mean, there were times where we would like get home and my mom would look in the backseat and it looked like I was having a seizure. And like, oh I was, God. I was like fully conscious. Like, mm -hmm. I was like, I can make this stop. But like, I couldn't. Wow. Like I knew it was happening, but like, I was like, I don't know how to like physically stop this, but consciously I was like, I'm in control right now. 
And were you like in touch with the people that gave you that experimental surgery? Like, was this part of, did they like want to know about follow-up or like what was happening to you or anything? Like, no, nobody ever reached out to me, but they were just like, they were just like, oh, well, it worked. It shrunk, it like shrunk the tumor, it's stable. You know, like that's all they cared about. And like all these doctors that I saw were like, well, we don't know what the long-term effects of this are because it was experimental. Yeah. You know? Um, And Hmm. so, yeah. So I just kind of like lived with that in my mind of like, well, I could die at any moment or like, who knows what's going to happen because nobody knows what the quote long-term effects are. Um, Mm, Sounds familiar. (laughs) (laughs) And um, I really didn't think I was going to graduate high school, let alone like be able to go off to college. And so anyways, made it to college and I'm sitting in my first semester English class. And I like vividly remember sitting there and like the professor being like, okay, everyone take out your rough drafts of your paper. And I was like, oh my gosh, like I didn't write it. And like, I don't forget to do things like this. And all of a sudden, like I couldn't see and I'm like, like having all this pain and I'm like freaking out, I'm like shaking. And I literally like got up and like went into the hallway and I sat on the floor and I called campus police and I told them to like, come get me because I was like, not okay. And they like sent an ambulance and they like paramedics, like picked me up on a stretcher in Maryland hall and like took me to the hospital. Oh my God. Yeah. And, um, it was the very first time, like in all the doctors, specialists, ER doctors, everyone I had seen over the last like four years for like random things. Like it was the very first time that anyone ever brought up anxiety. Mm-hmm. And this ER doctor like sat with me and she was like, she had like heard my whole medical history. And she was like, that's a lot. Like, has anyone ever talked to you about anxiety? And I was like, no. She was like, I think what you're experiencing is panic attacks. And they're like manifesting as physical, um, like expressions of, of this anxiety. And I, like in the same mo- in the moment, I was like, one, so validated. Cause I was like, finally, someone has an answer for this. Like, this makes so much sense. But two, I was like, are you kidding me? That's it. Cause I would like pray, pray before every doctor that I saw that they would like tell me I had cancer. Cause I was like, wow. at least then- I would like have a sense of direction of like how to deal right. with this. But every single time doctors were like, mm, we don't know how to help you. Here's a different specialist you can try. Mm-hmm. And it was just like horrible. Um, so anyways, once I had like that word for like, oh, these are panic attacks. I was like, oh, this is helpful. I can like start doing stuff. And like, did you, did you make the connection between like when this would happen when you were little? Was it like, or did it make sense that like these unexplained bouts of pain or whatever like lined up with feelings of anxiety or panic um yeah I mean there were definitely like times that I can identify after like the eye stuff started like every single time I saw a doctor it was a traumatic event but then it was just like kind of years of like being like okay I'm just gonna like live with anxiety and like panic attacks and I did for a while and then I went to this like aerial yoga fitness class and we were doing all these inversions and like it was like hammocking yoga or something I don't even know it was a lot of fun but I just remember after I was like oh my head hurts and then it just like all day long was just getting like worse and worse Mm. and worse to like truly like like migraine doesn't even begin to like explain the half of it like it was so bad the pressure in my head that I was sitting in 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 Hebrew class um because I had started grad school that semester my senior year as well and I just like started like sobbing and I'm like I, I need to get out of here 
and I like left and I like went home and I slept, I think for like, like 20 hours probably. And, um, I mean, it was just, it was awful. And I had, I got a migraine every single day for like five months after that. Oh my gosh. And I mean, if you have ever had the headache, let alone like a migraine, let alone one every single day, like, I mean, truly it will like drive you to like dark, dark places. Um, and yeah, so, I mean, that was my senior year of college. Um, and it was, it was truly the worst. So anyways, I, I got into like see a neurologist and she just like started prescribing all, prescribing me all this medication. Um, and I was like, do you think it was something with this like yoga class I did? And she was like, absolutely not. Like, that's so dumb. Like, no, that would never do that. And I was like, okay. And then I started seeing all these physical therapists and, um, because I had like excruciating neck pain. So basically then I have like had MRIs up my brain to make sure nothing was going on there. Guess what? Another little tumor friend popped up in the brain on the pineal gland, the third oh, eye. Oh God. Yeah. So um, they found that little guy and she was like, well, it's rather large and unusually shaped. So <laughs> I'm going to send you to a specialist, a neuro- like a neurosurgeon at a well-known research hospital in Baltimore. <laughs> And I get there and this man goes, well, it is rather large and unusually shaped, but I wouldn't be concerned. I'll see you back in a year. And I said, sir, this is a brain tumor. A tumor in my brain. And we're just going to pretend like it's not a big deal. And you just said that it's unusual and large. Right. I was like, um also is this like causing my migraines like right I was just gonna say like when when you're it's one thing if all of a sudden you know you just went in for a physical and they're like oh there's this thing but like whatever come back in a year but it's another when you've been in constant debilitating pain and then a new thing pops up and they're like oh but that can't possibly be anything and it's like right also I have a history of things growing in my face where they don't belong right right yeah. And like, um, yeah, like headaches, brain tuber doesn't really take a lot to put that like two and two together. Not to mention the spiritual connotations of the third eye, but well, we weren't getting right. there. <laughs> right. So yeah. So then I'm, you know, I'm diagnosed with that. I'm, di- I'm just giving all the details right now. I'm so sorry if this is boring to people, but um, we've got that. And then also um, they diagnosed me with uh basically I have this spastic nerve in the back of my head that is like caused by, which is also like really excruciating pain in the back of my head that I have constantly, that is caused by this like giant, like rock hard muscle in the back of my neck. Um, Occipital neuralgia Mm -hmm. is um, the name. And basically they told me, oh, you strained every muscle in your neck from reading so much for grad school what yeah that it caused this like tension in the back of my neck that's putting like pressure on this nerve in the back of my head and like I mean like sometimes like I mean the pain there was like worse than the migraine sometimes it was so bad and um yeah and I'm just like well what am I supposed to do drop out of school so they just start sending me at all these um what should we call it physical therapists and all this stuff like it took eight physical therapists before I found relief Well, and it's like, 
No, like it's not because you were reading, like everyone reads. There are people in the world that read more than you. Like it's a, it's your unique health history that like everyone is just deciding not to think about or talk about, you right. know, like. Right. Well, because they're not going to make money. Yeah. They're not going to make money by telling me that like, oh, you've been living in a toxic living situation for a year and a half and you started a program that you weren't ready to start. And also you're trying to like, you never addressed any of the trauma of anything that has happened in your body before. And also you don't even like living in the body that you live in because you've dissociated it mm-hmm. from it for years because that's the only way you've been able to cope because everyone told you it was actively killing you or actively blinding you or all these things for your entire life. Mm-hmm. Like- no wonder the things were happening um yeah it's just like the cause is not reading like reading exacerbated everything that was there and the tension and the built-up stagnation and the pain and all of that right like exactly that's so frustrating yeah. So, so then, did you know that? Were you like, were you like, it's not just that or had you like made that connection at that point? No. I mean, I was still like, it has to be this yoga class that I took because it was literally like, I did that. And then all of this started like immediately. Right. Um, and you know, every doctor that I saw was like, that's insane. Absolutely not. And you know, now I know like it wasn't like that didn't cause my migraines, but like the body was, my body was like in such disarray, um, that that was like the straw that broke the camel's back, Mm -hmm. you know? Um, and stretched my, my fascia, my muscles, my spine in ways like just enough that like pushed things over the edge, but we were getting to that point anyways, you know? Um, and now from like studying GNM and things like that, like headaches are always a release of like additional like swelling or fluid or inflammation like it's an episode to like Mm. begin the process of healing releasing those like extra like tension anything that's pent up and you know so I mean imagine how much I was holding inside how much Mm -hmm. like trauma how much pain how much anger how much you know all the toxins the radioactivity like all the things that it took five months of migraines every single day to begin to be able to like start over and like heal. Wow. Oh, it ended with like, I was on a spring break trip to Alabama and I ended up in the ER in Selma. And uh, it was like, uh, like, cause the migraine pain was so bad. And then I never, I mean, I've got migraine since then, but like then that's when it stopped and it just like stopped all of a sudden. What? Yeah. After that, no more. Oh my gosh. Yeah. It's just like wild. And again, like no doctor has ever been able to explain any of this to me. Right. Because guess what? They've never seen any other patient like me. Right. And they never will. So um, anyways, the importance of narrative medicine and sharing your lived experience. So anyways, okay. So we're taking a turn here. We're taking a turn for the, for the positive. Because truly I love the body that I live in now and I'm so grateful for it. And I just like think regularly about like, this history and like acknowledging that my body truly like was doing everything that it knew how to do mm-hmm. the best of its ability. And I kept letting other people like intervene because that's to the best of my conscious and like ability. That's what I knew to do. Um, and that was kind of 
corrupting the healing that my body knew how to do. And, but anyways, I'm so grateful for it. So we'll talk about the positive. So, um, then I start, then you and I started having these conversations and you were kind of like on a similar, um, journey, like moving towards the holistic, I'll let you share that story, but you introduced me to Dr. Emily, um, who's a naturopath and had never felt so heard by a medical professional in my entire life. Like nobody even came close. And for two hours, she just, I just like shared my medical history. And she was asking questions like, what was going on at these times of your life where you're experiencing these? What was your birth like? Like all these things and stuff that nobody had ever asked me. And I was like, oh yeah, this makes sense. And she starts connecting all these dots. And I asked her about the yoga thing. And she's like, mm. oh, they're absolutely related. Some sort of muscular, like skeletal thing happened. And like, yeah, of course that triggered it. You know that. And I was like, yeah, I did know that. Right. And um, anyways, like, I swear I walked out of her office and I, I called my mom and she was like, well, how was it? And I, she was like, this like, oh, witchy doctor. I'm like, blah, blah, blah. And I'm just like, truly, I'm like, I'm half healed just from talking to her. Right. And my mom was like, what? Because it was the first time ever that I had a positive experience mm. with a medical professional. And yeah. And then, you know, we started to bring things back into balance and I was hype. I was so excited. I was like, I'm so motivated. I've never been so excited about a process in my entire life. And because I finally had hope. Someone like didn't tell me that like there weren't, there wasn't an answer. There wasn't anything to do about it. There wasn't, you know, all these things. And at the same time, I was like seeing a therapist and, you know, just like doing all the things that I needed to do. But then I kind of went a little overboard and um, yeah. became a little obsessed, a little all or nothing as I do. And uh, it became my whole life. And then I was like, just trying to like biohack and like optimize. Well, and I remember you like met with Dr. Emily towards the end of like, yeah. Yeah. And she was basically like, you need to chill out. Was that what sparked your like, oh yeah, I do. Or was that after? Um, it was kind of like, I was getting frustrated with even like the holistic, like integrative functional right. world of medicine, because I was like, these people aren't keeping up with me. Like it takes so long to get appointments. Like they aren't doing the treatments that like I want. They're not giving me the tests that I want to have. Like, I know I have a mold toxicity. I know I have a hormone imbalance. Like, why aren't these people giving me these tests? Cause I'm like, you know, taking in information, doing all the self-research, um, which I encourage, but it was, it was, it was too much. I was like diagnosing myself left and right. And like, yeah, I was right. But like, you can't heal from 17 different things at one time but I was trying. And I remember, yeah, I had this call with Dr. Emily and I was like, okay, um, well, since our last meeting, um, I, uh, like saw this functional dentist and like I detoxed from, from mold and I did this and like, I did that and I did that. And I had this test and I started seeing this chiropractor and I learned this information. And now I see this person. And she was like, Keely, like it's the closest thing to like mad I've ever seen. <laughs> but, um, but she was like frustrated with me. And I just like, remember this very clearly. She was like, you need to stop. Like, you cannot do all this. Like, it's been a couple of weeks since I've seen you and you've done a hundred things. Like your, your nervous system can't handle that much. Like this is stress you're putting on yourself. Mm. And I, we we're calling because she was giving me the results of my Dutch test, which is like a um, comprehensive hormone test. And that was when she told me that my cortisol was not high, like spiked in a state of stress, but it was like very, very like dangerously low from yeah. being in, which happens when you are in a state of chronic stress for like a long time. And we did a whole episode on this last season, but 
yeah, I mean, it was, that was like a wake up call for me. And, and yeah, I mean, I think the thread throughout that time of like going overboard was like, I'm still like riddled with anxiety. I still have these bouts of like, um, all consuming depression. Like I don't feel okay. Like I don't feel better. And I was living in this mindset of (laughs) quote stable. Um, and I was living in this mindset of like, like I was never operating from a place of wholeness. I was always working towards, I was like waiting for things to like intervene in my life to make me whole. Mm-hmm. And then, yeah, in the last like year, when I like took a year off from life, um, that's what I was like focused on was just like, okay, how do I be well without mm-hmm. doing too much? Um, and what I found, the conclusion I came to was like, oh, I already like have everything that I need. Mm-hmm. everything's already available to me anything that acts as like an intervention or something I add into my routines or my life is just reminding me of that or like bringing me back to that place because things in my external world are like trying to pull me away from it but it's like in these moments like when did I feel like my best most grounded like whole self mm-hmm. throughout the entire course of my life it's like all the times I was on silent retreat I was never sick I was never in pain on silent retreat yeah I wonder why that is because I was mm-hmm. just focused on like resting and right. like being taken care of and like doing what I needed to do with no expectations. And um, every single time I've intentionally stepped away and like done that type of thing is when the most like clarity and like groundedness and like breathing has occurred. Yeah. So um, yeah, I mean, so that's kind of the place I'm in now. Like I still love like talking about gut health and all the things, but I see my body my relationship to it and like health even through this different lens of it's not something that you need other people to give you Mm -hmm. something that you choose to recognize in yourself because you already have it and like why outsource that from other people I still have a tumor in my eye and a tumor in my brain tumor quote unquote (laughs) (laughs) but like what even is a tumor right except an expression of like my body's crying out of like there is wounding like emotional wounding here and like that was the way that my body knew how to react to that Uh because it didn't know how to process process it any other way and more on that to come throughout the season but yeah I'm like what a beautiful thing I love my tumor wow oh okay wait last like side thing was um I found out like years later after the surgeries like in one of my visits to the ER they were like what kind of cancer did you have? And I was like, what are you talking about? I didn't have cancer. And they were like, well, why did you have all this chemo and radiation? And I was like, what? And they were like, oh yeah, those first three surgeries you had were like chemotherapy. And that fourth experimental one was like radiation. And like, nobody ever told us. Oh my God. Not your, so like, not your fantasies coming true. <laughs> the manifestation. <laughs> so like, but, yeah. what, um, like putting the, putting all this into context of COVID, like you would think that someone who has lived their life in fear of dying or going blind and chronic pain and getting sick all the time and like, you know, living in a state of panic and fear and anxiety, you would think that you would have like bought into everything and and especially since you know it's a 
attack on the sinuses and the respiratory, Mm -hmm. you know, like all the things that you had struggled with. So what, like, what happened to get you to the point of, you know, when there was all this hype about this virus that you were not scared? Yeah. I mean, COVID came like at the perfect time for me in my health journey. I was living in Kentucky at the time. And I was like, honestly, it's go time. Like I was excited. I was like, I'm ready. I know what, I know how to deal with this. And so everything about my life switched into like, okay, immune system optimization, like at this time of my life, like that's where I was at. And I was like, gut health. And I was like, okay, I'm going to eat as many biodiverse plants as possible, like to optimize the gut and plants and all these things. And like, I had all these like supplements and tinctures and like everything. And I was like, I'm freaking ready. Mm. And then I started like posting on my Instagram stories, like things that I was cooking and like just like motivating things for people. And I'm like, your body has the capacity to heal. Like it wants to heal. It is well, like all this stuff and people like flooding the DMs. Thank you so much. Like nobody else is saying stuff like this. Everyone's just like fear mongering or like trying to scare us. And it's just like nice to know that like, we're going to be okay. And I'm like, you're going to be okay if you choose to be okay. And yeah, I mean, I was just like, yeah, I was really ready. And but that was still coming from a place of like, uh, like avoidance of like wanting to be, of getting sick, you know? Right. And like right. now fast forward, I'm just in a place where I'm like, I'm not going to get sick. And you know, if it does, I'm not going to like be afraid of it. Maybe that's what it is. It's not that I'm not going to get sick, but I'm not afraid of being mm-hmm. sick because I don't believe that sickness is like a bad thing. Right. And it seems like you already had well obviously you already had a distrust of the medical industry which is like I think a well yeah yeah like a factor that not a lot of people consider like oh you might have a yeah like a distrust towards this industry just like black people can have a distrust towards industries that have harmed them. And women tend to have distrust of industries and systems that have harmed them. And individuals are allowed to have opinions and choose whether or not to interact with systems that they've had negative experiences with. Even if everybody else is telling them that this is the savior. Exactly. And listen to what these people have to say. Like, it sounds like that for you, you had already from a young age been like, I already know this is, this doesn't work for me. Yeah. And I mean, we've talked a lot about, um, on the podcast, just, um, like industrial birth as a, like an abusive setting for women. And like that translates to so many other parts of medicine, like, and for me personally, like, I'm not going to go see a doctor if I'm sick. I had an experience a couple of years ago where I was like in such excruciating pain, like for no reason. And, or like, I mean, I didn't know why, like it had never happened before. And I was like, my mom's like, we need to go to the 
the hospital like you need to go to the hospital like you like cannot move like you're in so much pain and I was like I cannot go to the hospital right now because I am in so much pain that I cannot rationally vouch for myself if like they say certain interventions need to occur mm-hmm. and it was like COVID time so she like wasn't allowed to like come with me and I'm like mm-hmm. I truly will have like nobody there to right. say no right and I'm in such a compromised state I can't do it myself so I'm like no I'm the last place I have like a Snapchat memory saved from that I probably sent to you from like right when quarantine happened in 2020. And it's like the last place I'll be going if I get COVID is the hospital. Cause it was right. like when the hospitals were overrun and I was like, that's the last place I'd be seen. Yeah. Because you had interfaced with that, figured out that it was not helpful for you, mm-hmm. found your own path through years and you know, thousands of dollars of research discovered that that path worked for you and Mm -hmm. made you feel healthy and well, and then could make decisions about whether or not you wanted to interface with the old system that had failed you so many times before. Imagine that. Right. And again, that's my lived experience. That's like, what's in alignment for me is like not allopathic medicine. Like that's, it's not going to help me. If anything, it's going to like send me into that like anxiety or like traumatic state. I mean, like years ago I was, again, like I feel differently about like diagnoses these days, but like diagnosed with medically induced post-traumatic stress disorder. Like it was my interactions with doctors, not the diagnoses the doctors gave me. It was my interactions with doctors that caused me to have like a panic disorder, PTSD. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Like, and we just allow that to happen. I mean, I don't anymore, but um, yeah. So for me, like, that's my lived experience. Like that is, that's just like not something that I will ever consciously choose again in my life to participate in. Mm. Right. And I feel so like at peace with that. Yeah. But when that was the only option available to me, I couldn't say no. Mm. Right. Before I knew I could like find healing on my own accord before I like had a sense of sovereignty in relationship with my body and like the allopathic, like Western medical system was the only thing available to me to like make me well, to make me feel better. Like it was just this like toxic, abusive relationship that I was re-entering into because it was the only thing that I knew. Mm-hmm. So it was necessary for me to step out of that. And I did. And how many people, yeah, this is like the only thing that they know. Mm-hmm. And then there's a sense of like superiority or I don't even know what it is or just like, I have to do this. So you should have to do it too. Like no one wants yeah. to do this, but it's the only choice we have. And that to me is such a selfish, like talk about selfish, like view on what we do with our bodies and mm-hmm. health. Yeah. And like, especially when you've been in in relation in deep relationship with your body to the point where you understand the metaphysical and the emotional 
component of health, which like in every other medicine system is innate, but not in Western medicine. Hmm. But, you know, when, when you have that relationship with your, with your body, that of course is the most threatening because that then goes against every other, everyone else's safe and like desirable definition of what health is. And it allows them to disassociate and allows them to not look at trauma or how emotional events affect them. And it's so much easier to just be like, you're going to get me sick Mm -hmm. instead of looking at their own shit and how their life is affecting their health. Like, right. And that is a journey that is, of course, not everyone has the time, energy, resources to embark upon, but once you have, it doesn't even make sense to not look at that. Like, it doesn't even make sense to think that a germ could get me sick because that is not how my body works. And that is not how your body works, but it's so amazing. The body is so wise that if you think that's how your body works, that is going to be how your body works. Like, right. If you think that germs are going to get you sick, then germs are going to get you sick. Absolutely. I mean, and it's like, it's like the placebo thing. Like people will be like, oh, it's a placebo. And it's like, well, it works. Right. Like, I'm sorry that it's so offensive to you that I'm no longer in like crippling pain. Yeah. I was like thinking about German new medicine recently. And I was thinking about like the different types of medicine. And I was thinking like allopathic medicine breeds codependency. It's this like, quote, you are sick and only doctors can help you. So like you have to rely on them to be well um, or to convince yourself that you're now well magically because this person who isn't you (laughs) knows your body better than the one you walk around in every day okay and then there's like integrative like functional medicine um and which has a lot of merit it's definitely a better alternative it was for me um but it breeds like victimization almost like you are sick because bad things Mm -hmm. are making you sick so that's when I was like freaking out about like the mold, the fluoride, the like all the things. Like it was not making me less anxious. If anything, it was making me more neurotic because I was like, okay, well, all these things are like making me sick. Like, okay, I'm whole, but like all these things are like trying to steal that from me. And then that orthorexia, this new like diagnosis that people, like wellness people can have of, Mm -hmm. yeah, like pathologizing you're still pathologizing something. You're still living in anxiety. You're still putting yourself in constant chronic stress. Yep. And then new medicine like breeds reciprocity. It's your body is adapting biologically to keep you alive. Like every way that your body's reacting, every symptom is like a response in the best capacity that your body knows how with the codes that it has already written and experienced to navigate the situations that it's presented with and like every symptom is just like a manifestation of like your body actively healing like your body is like truly wants you to be and feel the best that it possibly can like it's always trying to bring us back to yeah what we really are which is like whole and well and thriving yeah how beautiful um, it's amazing So when we learn to like work with those symptoms and recognize those patterns is when we can truly 
enter into that thriving with it reciprocally. And like what I hear you say from your story too, like when you exit from panic and fear and anxiety, and again, like address some of those more emotional root causes, nervous system causes, like then healing can actually occur or like pain can stop. Mm -hmm. And it's so backwards from where we are right now of like, if you're not panicking, you don't care about your health. Right. You don't take it seriously. Yeah. If you're not scared, you don't take it seriously. Like coming from all the, coming from all the dating app men who don't, who want women who don't take themselves too seriously. (laughs) (laughs) And it's just like, it's so backwards to even talk to people still in this paradigm because there's no common ground. Like if you haven't done this work, you truly don't understand. And that's not judgmental. That's just like, okay, we're on two totally different planets when we're discussing this topic. So it's not even going to be worth discussing. Although this is why I love sharing stories because it can start to put the pieces together for people. Like if you hadn't heard me ranting about Dr. Emily, you wouldn't have known that a doctor like that was out there. If I hadn't Mm -hmm. heard, um, if I didn't had my family friend bring me to a muscle testing doctor at age 17, I never would have known that world was out there. Like this is how things, like this is how people can expand their worldview. And it's really not helpful arguing with someone who is in a panic mode about germs coming to get them because it's like, that's not the reality that I live in. Right. Well, and like, you wouldn't tell a woman in her third trimester, you wouldn't try to like convert her to like a free birth. Right. You know, it's just like, these are realizations like, and journeys for individual people to come to, you know? And I, it's hard for me because I have found so much relief from just like all the different like modalities but then like all the emotional work and I see the connections now in my life of like different traumatic events or things that occurred and how they've manifested in physical symptoms and I see other people in my life like dealing with the same things and like being so frustrated by trying to navigate the medical system I'm thinking like particularly about people that I know with like endometriosis and like how debilitating that is for people like Lyme disease and migraines and I'm just like there are so many other ways to navigate this Mm. but you'll never hear about them if you keep going back to the same doctor that has never been able to help you Mm. and it's really hard for me to like sit back and watch that but I also like have learned that I can't shove this information down people's throats right so (laughs) so yeah I mean but you still have an obligation to talk about it because that's how people will learn as well right and so now it's like shifted from like me trying to evangelize to others and like project that onto them and just like sharing my experience um Mm -hmm. and and that's why you're so grounded in your view amidst what everything else is going everything else is happening right now because it's coming from your embodied experience whereas everyone who's like 
like this one way like that is not embodied that is fear that is panic that is regurgitating facts science whatever you want to call it like yeah. talk to someone who has no doubts about the choices that they're making for themselves and you will be met with such a regulated grounded presence like people don't have these conversations with me in person because right. it doesn't happen because I'm like huh you seem extremely angry right now tell me about that like it's not an yeah. escalated thing because I don't have to I, I know what's best for me and it's very hard for people to believe that but like mm-hmm. you at age 12 being like I know something's wrong with my eye like and when you're met with over and over again people saying no 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 and then finally it's you know you're forced to recognize it and you realize all along you were right like that Mm -hmm. does something to you well yeah I mean because every time thereafter I'm like I went from being told I was fine and then a year passes and then all of a sudden like they need to do radiation and I'm going blind you know like then in my mind it was like every time I went to the doctor and repeatedly was told like oh well we don't know what this is or like you don't fit into like any of the boxes of the diagnoses or like well your vitals are fine can't tell you how many times I heard that triggering statement and then like every single time I had to be like okay but what if what if they're wrong again Mm -hmm. and I come back in here and I'm dying you know that that feeling of like either way you're outsourcing like exactly you're outsourcing someone to tell you that you're healthy or you're outsourcing your knowledge or like yeah you're putting your intuition in someone else's hands yeah I was just gonna say like the intuition piece it's like like with the eye thing like I intuitively know as we've said there was something wrong with my eye and then I was told I was wrong Mm -hmm. and though I know this doctor didn't mean to gaslight me in such a way (laughs) that's what it was and then because I was right and then you know for years to come it's like well every time I intuitively know something I'm gonna like question it Mm, right and so truly that did a number on the intuitive capacities and then you know the third eye situation Mm -hmm. but um yeah so I mean there was that but also yeah I was outsourcing wellness from people who have never lived in my body and the only person who did live in my body was me and I was actively resenting and disassociating from it because it I viewed it as like this curse Mm -hmm. because it was inhibiting every other part of my life and I was just in pain all the time and so yeah a recipe for disaster so anyways love her though love her now Mm -hmm. and like so grateful for all the ways that she has carried me through what would it have been like you know like if a if that doctor age 12 when when you go in and you're like there's something wrong with my eye and let's say even if the doctor didn't see anything, but what would it have been like if he would have said, wow, yeah, like, you know, something's wrong with your eye. I can't see anything. That doesn't mean that it's not real. So what do you think, like, what does it look like? Describe it to me. What do you think needs to be done? What are some things that you feel would help? Like, even if he's bullshitting it, you know, like that is how healers 
speak, like in an mm-hmm. actual sense of the word, like you tell me, like, I, I will help you unlock the wisdom of your body. Like, you know, the answers and yeah. What would that have done? Like for 12 year old, you like at the very least, maybe it would have provided some emotional validation and like a little bit of peace of like, oh, okay. Yeah. There is something wrong. Maybe even if they can't see it, doesn't mean that it's not there. Like, as opposed to, wow, I guess I just imagined the past 12 years of pain. Like silly me. Yeah. I mean, it would have, I mean, it probably would have meant everything to me, you know? Yeah. I think I still, you know, I like, I'm not the type of person to just like not see something to the, I don't know. Like I like, like resolution. Mm -hmm. And so I think I still would have been like dissatisfied that like, oh, we didn't, he didn't find something, but to at least be given the time of day of like, I'm going to take this seriously because you care about it. And that means something. And to reflect back to you, you know, best, like, yeah. Or like, this is amazing that like you feel something like keep paying attention to that. Like, mm-hmm. don't let that go. Like pay attention to it. If, if something else comes up or it gets worse, like you let me know and we'll do something about it. Mm-hmm. But I wouldn't even know if my retinas were detaching. So <laughs> That experience oh is just like such like a micro- microcosm of like, like everything, like the yeah. entire, all the things I was just like, cause I, it's been so long since I've seen a doctor and I was just like, isn't this like, a, is this satire? Like he is <laughs> yeah. like truly li- like living all the tropes of like everything I resent about, <laughs> about doctors. Just for you. You're being like pranked. Oh yeah. Gosh. Yeah. It was insane. I was just like, did you really just tell me multiple times that my retinas are actively detaching when they're not? Okay. So what do you say to people that are like, you're not smarter than a doctor or like, that's been something that has been said like, oh, but Emily, you couldn't possibly know about like COVID though. Like this is different. You need to get this because like no one knows, like okay, maybe you can know in your body other things, but like, you need to listen to the experts on this one. Like, what are your thoughts on that? (laughs) Well, I would probably quote one of my favorite Leo Rising birthkeeping posts, which is um, listening, quote, listening to the experts has been historically harmful to women. I love that. (laughs) (laughs) Like, same. Um, Yeah. But I would say one of my personal mantras, which is like, I trust patterns, not people. And like the consistent pattern in my life is that trusting like allopathic medicine and medical science in that way has never been the best option for me personally. Um, If anything, it's been like more detrimental. Mm. and honestly, I really wouldn't waste that much time talking to this. Well, person. that exactly, that's like an amazing, just exactly what you said is like, that's amazing. Cause it's inarguable. Like 
Yeah. No one like, can come truly. back from that and be like, well, no, it's like, no, I'm just telling you what my literal lived experience has been and what has been detrimental and healing for me. Yeah. Like that doesn't work for me. <laughs> like, I probably just literally that. it. Yeah. That doesn't work for me. <laughs> it doesn't. <laughs> but Keely, how can you possibly know what works for you and what doesn't? <laughs> I mean, at that point, yeah, no one would, no one can come back from that. Cause it's just like, oh okay. yeah and then the rage comes because like they don't know what's be- what like works for them because mm. they're like dissociated yeah. and traumatized and so it's like well but like this won't be over until everyone does the same exact thing it's like you need to get outside <laughs> well yeah and it's like right no truly the vitamin d you need mm-hmm. <laughs> the grounding um but it was like that what was that um campaign that the like Baltimore City like health department came out with it was like yes. don't just eat another salad Daryl or something like salad smoothies you. won't save you Tina yeah and I was like dear well surely because you're in a state of digestive distress <laughs> and like eating raw foods especially salad which is really not that nutrient but dense what do they, do would they be really especially think, harmful do they really think that me yeah, like if their target, let's just go into marketing for a second. If their target audience with that billboard is people that are making kale smoothies and not getting the vaccine. Okay. So me, so I'm driving past the billboard <laughs> and I see that billboard. you're on your, you're on your way to a juice bar. Yeah. Driving my Prius uh-huh. and I stop, I pull over and I go, huh, you're right. <laughs> you're right. I think I'm going to make my COVID vaccine appointment now. That billboard really, that really tipped me over the edge. It really spoke to me. Like, I realized, I don't know who said this. Maybe it was you. I don't know who I was talking to. But it was like the vaccine. This is getting into a whole nother topic. But it was like. The marketing is their marketing. Us. Is it, was it you that said that? Yeah. yeah. Yes. That is fascinating to me. Because I'm like, truly. Like, it's it's more for the the vaccinated masked person in their car driving by to be like, yeah, yeah, Tina. Yeah, it's, you. It's, to, it's to fuel the resentment yeah. so as to create further divide to perpetuate the illusion of this whole sham. You know, it's it's a, mas- a masquerade, truly. Okay. <laughs> mm-hmm. Okay. And well, I keep ball gowns at the ready for formal events. And that is not one I will be attending. Like I could think of 45 things off the top of my head that would be more like convincing to me. And I'm, yeah. I won't be, I won't be convinced and I could still help out with a marketing campaign that could maybe right. assist. Right. If that's like, what it was about. If that's what it was about. It's insane. It's not what yeah. it's about. Oh. <laughs> oh my gosh well thank you yeah. for sharing yeah That's thank you for like holding space for the conversation yeah people need to understand that you do not just wake up one day and choose to never go back to a doctor I don't know maybe I think maybe people like too. I think people see us as these like contrarian contrarians like ideologically and philosophically and biologically um and like 
we are, but not because we're like trying to be, not because we're trying to be like fun and quirky. Do you think it's fun being this difficult? <laughs> right. <laughs> Having this many alternative opinions? <laughs> right. I mean, um, I have fun, but like. I mean, we have fun because like we don't get worked up about this stuff. Yeah. Like, I think people may, maybe they think like we're mad, but it's like, I mean, yeah, I'll get worked up if you tell me like the ways that doctors have wronged you. Like, I will truly like to my core, like be so heartbroken mm-hmm. and like angry for you that you went through that because I know what that's like. But like, these things don't keep me up at night. Like, no, I'm the not maskers like... are up at night. Right. About us. And not because they're at the masquerade, dancing and having a good time. <sighs> yeah so anyways that's why i care (laughs) right i mean that's only like those are only like the main events that occur yeah there's so many other little side side stories but i'll spare you all so anyways yeah it was great thank you and it provides context it provides hope light at the end of the tunnel maybe illumination on which path you're on if you're in that like fixing stage then you are still in a state of anxiety and stress and like maybe there are some topics to try on that and like new ways of looking at your body and healing and that that will be helpful for you and it's okay to change your mind and it's okay to make a shift and it's okay to cancel that appointment and it's okay to research new doctors and it's okay to use google and it's okay to yeah. It's okay to take a deep breath when you like feel a cold coming on or, you know, anything and just be like, what's going on? What's really going on in my life right now? You know, like take your doctor's off speed dial, take your CVS pharmacy off speed dial. Okay. Like recently so many people in my life have been like, oh, well, I knew I was getting a sinus infection. So I like, I got an antibiotic or like, oh, I like um, got strep throat. So I like went to go get an antibiotic. And I'm like, one that doesn't have to be the default mm-hmm. you know there are a couple quite a few episodes from last season that we recorded when I had like a mouth infection and mm-hmm. like half of my face is so swollen and guess what I didn't go see a doctor I healed that bad boy in a week mm-hmm. all on my own and like you can do that not everything requires intervention from that's prescribed by other people mm-hmm. you know your body best don't let anyone convince you otherwise Thank you. Goodbye. (laughs) Goodbye.